0: MyMac Podcast 282 Jiggly Androids
1: You're listening to the MyMac Podcast with your hosts, David Cohen and Guy Searle
0: Well, Good evening everybody welcome to MyMac number 282. I'm very pleased to be joined once again by my um partner in crime here on the podcast Guy Sell. How are you doing
2: Guy? Oh, pretty good Dave. I've uh, I've been away for a while. I haven't been on the show. You've been on some fairly epic travels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as a matter of fact, if um uh, I've got about a four-part blog over at uh, mymac.com that that tells the whole truth of everything that happened to me from leaving here to getting the Mac world and getting back, and there wasn't a, a, a single bit of exaggeration in any of it. Now, we were just talking before we start recording about how
0: slow kind of news is in the Apple community at the moment. Everyone's kind of sat on tent hooks waiting for the iPad to come out, um, but there's not really an awful lot going else going on, but except for one thing that seems to be getting quite a lot of coverage, and that's the... Ooh, uh, yeah. The sudden withdrawal of 5,000, well, let's say, applications of dubious content from the Jiggly Apps. Well,. Yeah, I think jiggly eye boobs. And I feel, I feel yeah. just even saying that. Uh, oh, it's was, fine. Was probably the one that, that kind of became the poster child for uh, for what Apple did. But for anyone who has been living under a rock and or, or has not been particularly following what's been going on, effectively uh, at the end of last week, um, so about a week ago from when we're recording now uh, on on Thursday evening, mm-hmm. uh, Apple summarily decided that they'd had enough of uh, these somewhat tasteless apps in the App Store. There was uh, there was as I say, 5,000 of them, but most of them were kind of the same sort of thing, which basically played a slideshow of of women in various states of undress. um, And um, kind of all these apps in the main were a variation on the theme, and and Apple decided that they were going to shift their policy. And having priorly approved these applications, they uh, they removed a a lot of them in, in a very short period of time. And then the internet kind of went wild about it.
2: Yeah, well, I think that, you know, the, I, I guess the, the the biggest problem as far as a lot of these apps go is that if if they had actually been in, like, their own category, then, you know, there there may not have been as much of a, of a to-do about it, at least from Apple, but you have these apps that are, are basically all over the map. They're in, you know, almost every single different category that they can squeeze them into. And, you know, if you look at, a lot of the, the top 25 lists of the various, you know, various categories, they end up in like one or two of the spots in every single one of them. Do we really need business apps that are looking at, you know, boobs that that juggle around as you, you shake your iPod or, sorry, your iPod touch or, or your iPhone around? But, you know, kind of getting off that, uh, I, I do have kind of a problem with this. And it's not so much along the lines of, you know, free speech and you know that app developers should be allowed to do whatever they want to do. I, I guess my biggest problem with it is is that every single one of these developers paid a certain amount of money in order to be an app developer in the store. They created these apps, they submitted these apps, the apps were approved and put into the store by Apple, and at which yeah. point Whichever ones that you know, if they were sold at at a price, Apple got their their thirty percent. Yeah. So, without really coming up with a an explanation of of why they were removed, they were basically just sum, summarily dumped. And the only thing we really heard from Apple was, and it was this was really kind of a, a BS answer from Phil Schiller that you know, oh, we had gotten some complaints. But then, on the same token, you have at least two apps—one from Sports Illustrated and one from Playboy—that is, you know, I mean, really, this. These are variations on a theme. You know, they're they're basically very pretty girls with little to no clothing on, and you know, they're relying on you know, horny iPhone, (laughs) horny iPhone owners to go out and buy these apps. Yeah. But those applications are still there. So, you know, what is the difference now between, you know, some guy sitting in his basement in Amsterdam or wherever these guys are and creating apps with near to naked women and someone like Sports Illustrated or Playboy? Okay. So let me
0: let me come back to you on that because you've pretty much kind of summarised what I what I would view as being the pretty much the consensus view. That's kind of how most people have reacted to it. There, there have been a few guys who, uh, on on you know, full bloggers who said you know this is oppression of free speech and. No, when you push. get into censorship, censorship, you know, censorship is always wrong and all that sort of thing. And yeah, I think, I think you and I would both agree that that this is not an issue of free speech because no. nobody's saying that these guys don't have the um, right to create and, and do these sorts of applications. And certainly the iPhone and the iPod Touch with web browsers are quite capable of accessing this sort of content. And in no way yeah. is Apple trying to block the browsers from, from accessing... Well, they couldn't. Uh, sort of, well, they, even if they could, they're not, they're, not, they're not making any sort of attempt to, to do anything like that. So it's not an issue of free speech um, at all. Or censorship. Uh, or censorship. But, uh, but obviously th- there is a policy decision that Apple has made here. Now, my take on this is that this is nothing to do with particularly the nature of these applications. Um, I think it is to do with Apple controlling and protecting their brand image. And I think this is, this is what it's all about. It's nothing to do with money. Um, I know people have said that, oh, well, Sports Illustrated and Playboy must be big customers of Apple and, and must pay them a lot of money. Um, all those applications must generate them a lot of money. So um, Apple is, is playing ball with them or, or Apple is trying to cut a deal with them for the iPad, which is all about money. So there may be some issues like that in play, but I don't think those are the primary notifications because, frankly, if Apple were to take 5,000 applications and just cut them out of the app store, that's a big chunk of change disappearing if those apps are selling well. So I don't believe it's anything to do with money. I think it's to do about their brand. These, these devices, I, I think we all accept now, I, I certainly know from, from my anecdotal personal experience, there's a lot of kids who are having iPod Touches being bought for them now, or iPhones. Um, and I don't think... I think people probably have complained because I don't think, as a parent, you want to buy your kid an iPod touch and then find that they're they're accessing that sort of application, as you pointed out in your kind of introduction to it. These apps weren't sitting in a in single place; they were being effectively spammed throughout the app store. right There is no way that a business application or a utility application should should be demos should be uh, illustrating those sorts of images so or competing. The,
2: or, or, you know, or legitimate apps of those types competing with apps like
0: these. Absolutely. And those, th- you know, the fact that those applications were being s- submitted all over the app store, it, to me, it, it was an indicator to Apple that the developers of the applica- these applications were out of control um, and were were basically moving the line as far as they could move it. Now, it, let's think about the process behind, suppose I sit down and decide to write one of these, um, you're, we all know and I think we all accept that the application uh, uh, the process of putting an application into the app store has been criticized for being fairly inconsistent and somewhat opaque in terms of what the policies
2: are um, well so I you, think that's, that's a big part of it is that there doesn't seem to be one uh, a well
0: that's fine but you know what you kind of know what, at this stage you know what you're getting into with the app store you know it's opaque yes. and you know that it, the only consistent thing about it is that it can be inconsistent Yes. So, and and we've talked on the podcast before, and you remember when we talked to um, the guy who had his uh, his application rejected because it, it duplicated functionality on the iPhone. Um, we we said at the time that that you know Apple's approach to this can be somewhat mercurial, but you kind of know that, and you know when you're de- designing your application that if you're going to skirt close to some of Apple's um, more sensitive spots, then you're running the risk of being rejected. Yes. I don't think there's been, there's been relatively few complaints of people saying, oh, I've had my app rejected, and uh, it never even occurred to me that it might run foul, f- foul of Apple's policy. So if I'm sat here, right, here, here I am sat in my Amsterdam basement, say, and I decide <laughs> I'm going I'm to concoct one of the applications to market my company. And let's face it, these applications are not titillating in themselves. They are about generating money off the, um, off the back of these images.
2: Oh, naturally. Um,
0: yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so I, so I, or, I, I, and and I'll talk in a minute about the kind of the nature of some of the images, but I, I, I decide I'm going to do that. The first time I put one of these applications through, it's probably not. It's, it's going to show some skin, um, but it's probably not going to show any nudity. It's no,
2: going
0: to be kind yeah, of like yeah, a well, bikini type app, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right? it, it, I guess it kind of depends on you know where you want to draw the line between actual nudity and just you know bare skin.
0: Right. Okay, but kind of, kind of go where I'm going with this here. in in my in my opinion, the nature of that sort of application development cycle is going to be, I'm going to put some images in. They're probably going to be like beach images, bikini images, whatever. Um, that gets approved. Then what am I going to do? Then I'm going to go, I'm going to say, okay, well now I'm going to do another one that's going to have slightly um, more risque content, a bit more skin, maybe uh, you know, a bit closer to nudity. Get that one in. You, do you see where I'm going with this? Effectively, what these guys are going to do as they start spamming these apps through the App Store is they're going to, ma- they're going to make them more titillating, more titillating, chasing the sales, um, chasing the promotion, all that sort of thing. And if Apple doesn't stop for sort the of stop you are going to end up with something that's getting pretty close to pornography being put through these applications. And I think we all appreciate that the more that um, these guys put these applications into the app store, the higher the number of quantity, the more difficult it becomes to quality control each one. Make sure that you've seen all the images and you're going to approve it or disapprove it. So if, you're, if, if, if that's the situation you're in as Apple and you're also starting to get uh, an increasing number of complaints...
2: Well, assuming gonna, that that's actually what's going well, on, but go you, ahead.
0: Uh, come on. Are you you're telling me in the United States today that nobody... Ever found one of these applications on their sons or their daughter's iPhone or uh, iPod Touch, and didn't didn't email Apple to
2: complain? Well, they very well may have complained, but at the same time, you know, it's not up to to Apple to you know determine where the line is drawn for each individual. Purchaser of an iPhone or an iPod I don't, Touch.
0: I know. I agree with you. I don't think it is because so, obviously that's an impossible thing. And and this is the 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 knife edge that Apple has put itself on by adopting a controlled approach to the App Store.
2: Well, that but, but that's that's part of the problem is that you know they do have control of the App Store, and for whatever reason they've allowed these apps to proliferate through almost every single category. Now, if they had an explicit category, which I've heard rumors that that's kind of where they're going and that the explicit category would require, you know, some slightly higher level of security to try, you know, to at least make the attempt to keep, you know, people under the age of 18 from accessing some of these apps, then that would alleviate most of the legitimate complaints that anyone who had contacted Apple might that have had. Has,
0: that's kind of getting a bit beyond where we are now, isn't it? Because that's, that's a, f- a potential fixed solution to the problem. But in fact, that's not where, where Apple was last week. They had no. a problem. They had these applications all over. Now, it's easy to sit here and criticize them for actually approving these apps in the first place. Yes. But I think we all appreciate that this application approval process has become very mechanical. We know it's done by... A, it's outsourced to a group of guys who are following policy guidelines we know that it makes mistakes we know that it's sometimes inconsistent and at the same time we know that the number of these application submissions has been going up and up and up and there's been from people like ourselves pressure on apple to improve the speed and the efficacy of the application approval process
2: Okay, no argument there.
0: Yeah. So, actually, as a community, we're kind of responsible in, in small part for this because we've put pressure on Apple to try and deal with their application approvals much more quickly. As soon as you do that, you're going to lower the quality bar. And I think that's exactly what's happened. My belief is Apple found itself in a position last week where they were getting increasing numbers of complaints. Who knows? Maybe they got start to get some complaints from some uh, um, uh some, some groups groups who who maybe they pay a bit more attention to than other people. I don't know. Maybe they'd set a threshold for the number of complaints and they reached it. And maybe it just got to the point where the number of complaints was such that it went up the chain to somebody more senior. Somebody more in the Phil Schiller um circle of of the apple world rather than the, the circle of levels. friends yeah and he and somebody like that then you know one of his people then comes and looks at these applications sees them 5000 of them spread all through the app store and said you know what this policy isn't working we need to change it now what i say is as a developer and as a customer of apple with the app store you know what you're getting you know you're getting control you know you're getting control that can be summarily applied I don't criticize Apple at all for pulling these apps out. I don't criticize them for the, the fact they went a little bit far and pulled some apps that were that were legit, legitimate out. And you know what? I don't criticize them for um, retaining Sports Illustrated and Playboy. And I b- agree completely with what Phil Schiller said about those uh, those applications, that they were came from legitimate ent- entities who. Um, have an established level of content that 's available in other areas in other channels where um, that that content is fairly legitimate I think if you 're in that situation then um, you 've got publishers like that, then you know that those the images that are in Sports Illustrated have a, a very high level of editorial control they 're done with a, a very high level of taste um, and in the main, they are accepted well, by the yeah, vast, on, vast majority. It's taste, of society.
2: taste, taste is subjective.
0: <coughs> I, I, well, yes and no, but I, I don't think anybody would ever accuse Sports of Illustrated of doing trashy imaging. Well, no, I don't. I don't
2: think. Uh, no, well, that's you, kind of uh, what, what there, I'm getting it, at. I'm cer- I'm, there certainly are there certainly are groups that would that would say that their swimsuit issue and you know and there are people that are this extreme. They would say that their swimsuit issue uh, is pornography. Right. But and, and I'm not saying that I yeah. agree with that, but yeah. you know, I, I guess I guess my whole my whole problem with this was that there there really was no warning. There was no, you know, there was a Apple could have handled this in, in a very different way, uh, instead of just removing all the apps that that these developers have have paid Apple money to put into the store, and Apple has gotten their cut. They could have they could have created the the new category an explicit category moved them all into there and you know that way nobody's apps are cut nobody's apps you know no, nobody is is losing money no you know there there's no decision made by apple that is that is just you know okay we're just going to remove all these apps now in, in my mind there should be really only two reasons to remove apps of this nature one would be for copyright violations because Apple is the gatekeeper, could certainly be held responsible for images that are, you know, not under their control since they do control, you know, what apps can be in their store and for security issues. If there's a an image that you click on that would suddenly redirect to another site that could, you know, put some code on your phone and okay. open it or whatever. Let, but those are really the only two reasons, legitimate reasons that I can think of for okay. removing apps that Apple has already vetted and has received money for.
0: Let's, 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 let's deal with a couple of the points there. First of all, let's deal with the copyright issue. Okay. Right? I do not believe that, uh, and, and let me make it clear. I'm not a customer of these applications. I've never actually used one. That's right. Right. But I do not believe that the majority of these images uh, within these applications um, were, the, were came from the legitimate copyright holders.
2: Oh, I, I have no doubt of that.
0: Right? Because the nature of this type of um, explicit material on the internet is that it's stolen. Um, that is, you know, that's an established that's fact. That's almost a given. If you go to any of the, of the sites that offer... Um, Clips or pictures or anything like that—they've all ripped it off from other. You know, this is basically how this from, industry from other, works. From other, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're all ripping it, ripping stuff off from, from each e- other. Everything else, and even the guys creating legitimate content are ripping off ideas from um, other legitimate copyright holders. We all, we've right. all heard about, you know. And um, bad
2: 70s porn music.
0: The, well, yeah, we've all heard of, you know, Saving Private Ryan and the riffs on, on saving Ryan's privates, the riffs on yeah. that, all that sort of yeah. thing. That's what this industry does. Okay. Sure. So just from a copyright point of view, I reckon that a very large percentage of those applications were in breach of copyright. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. So that's one problem. Okay. Security yeah. I, I mean I don't I can't really argue with you now. I would certainly hope that Apple weren't letting applications through that potentially had a security risk to the to the phones. Um,
2: well, but I mean in, in, a, lot in, you apps, said that, a lot of these apps do have web links in them. Yeah, okay. They're, it's, they're, it's relatively easy for them to submit an application that goes to you know website you know, we're really yeah. nice. Christiangirls dot com. But, but I, but I think I think anybody who actually had malicious
0: purposes and wanted to do something like that will probably not put it in a in an explicit application. They dress it up as something a lot more mundane, um, and uh, and look to to generate the exploit that way rather something. Because th- there are you know a lot of us are immediately suspicious of any of those sort of applications for well, precisely yeah, like that but reason. But at,
2: at the same so. time, if you've got a you know. You've got some photo photo app, and it's there, and it shows puppies. Okay, how many people are going to buy that app as compared to somebody who's going to buy an app of women in bikinis? So, yeah, if, you know what? if you're looking for if you're looking for the most bang for the buck and and getting as many people to you know hit your outside content away from the app, we you know whether it's malicious or not you're not going to put in puppies, you're going to put in girls. Well, maybe, but
0: I, I think I think that's a side issue. I don't think that's, that was a primary reason for Apple to to, to
2: to adopt this route. They were worried about security. Oh, no, uh, I, 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 and you know, I'm not you know. saying that that, that, was, that was even a consideration. My you, you, whole point was... You said, was,
0: though, you said though that, that, that copyright and, um, and security. security were the only two reasons you could see for removing the
2: applications from yes, the store.
0: Yes, I disagree exactly. with you, because at the end of the day, this is Apple's playground. If they decide they want to remove 99.9% of all the applications in the store, that is their right to do so. And that's what you pay for when you sign up for the the developer agreement. It is just the same as... Um, the Walmart family, the guys at the, uh, the, what is it, the Waltons are on Walmart, uh, yeah. deciding that they're not going to have um, music with explicit lyrics or um, magazines with uh, explicit sexual imagery in them. At the end of the day, it's their store and they decide what they sell and what they don't. And they can, they can be just as capricious and they can just change their mind and they can let things slide and then have a change of policy on the back of complaints or on the back of pressure from certain groups. And, you know, they are a private enterprise, and it is absolutely their right to do so. And nobody in the App Store or in Walmart has any grounds for complaint.
2: But where where the Walmart analogy falls through, Dave, is that, you know, you're selling a magazine that has explicit pictures or you're selling a CD that has explicit lyrics. You're not paying Walmart to have those items in your store. Well, in some, some cases, in, yeah, in some
0: cases, I think I think people do pay Walmart.
2: Because well, all right, they, that, that's they want under, to the, be, that's under the table stuff. I'm talking yeah. about I'm talking about in everyday legitimate legal business practices. You're not paying Walmart to have your stuff in their store.
0: Well, how yeah. how much are these developers paying to get their applications a store? Well? They're paying what 199. Well, it, I, think a I, think, I think it's I think it's a hundred dollars a year. Right.
2: Or pos- – oh, I should, I should have looked this up before we did the podcast. Um, but,
0: but, yeah, well, whatever it is, though, it's not a huge sum of money. No, no. And, and, and I suspect legally that those uh, – document- the documentation is written that you're paying that for the right to be a developer and get access to the development kit, not for the right to have your application published.
2: Yeah, that that's probably very true. But you know, I, I, I've, I've I think, never seen I've never seen the no, agreement, but, but, but and I, the I've never heard it expressed like I that. I think
0: I think I think there's a difference between having the right to develop for a platform and having the right. You know, that there I don't think there is a right of publication. At the end of the day, Apple can perfectly well decide to reject your application, despite the fact you've paid for the developer fee. And um, if they decide that they're not going to publish your application, then that. Can, they can suggest changes to it, but ultimately they can decide
2: not they're not going to
0: publish it. And that's, that's kind of the end, end of the matter. I don't, th- I don't think that that is uh, you know, particularly a thing. I think this is Apple's playground, um, and you've got to play by their rules. And if they just suddenly decide that rules have changed, um, that's kind of tough. I, th- I'm, I think that is the reality of the situation. And well, very true. In but this th- case, I have the, very the little prob- The problem
2: is these, these are applications that they already allowed. Yeah, now, if we if, were talking about, you know, like if Google voice, if we were talking about an application that they rejected for whatever reason, had never allowed on the store, we wouldn't even be having this argument. Okay. But you know, that my that- problem is, my problem is that they already allowed these apps in the store. And instead of, instead of doing the smart thing, which in my mind would have been to move them to a category where they weren't going to clog up all the rest of them. Now, now. The way I see it is part of the reason why they probably did this is they're getting ready for the iPad. So as these people as new people are coming in buying iPads, you know, quite a few of them ha- are pro- have probably or will probably have never used an iPhone or or an iPod touch, you know, brand new to this. Yeah. <coughs> I'm sorry. Brand new to this, so they go into iTunes and they want to find a business app, so they go. They go to the business category. First thing they see is, you know, two of the top ten are jiggly boob apps. Well, that that sets a bad precedent for you know whoever yeah. it is that that's buying this device to use for legitimate purposes and not just to look at at you know pretty naked girls. So I I think a lot of this has to do with Apple's getting ready, not only for you know the the changes that's going to come with the iPad but for maybe a lot of the changes that could be coming later on down the line in iTunes dealing with other types of content. And they're, and yeah. they're trying to be very, very careful in how they're presenting this content to potential new buyers. Well, I, I agree
0: I agree. they're very conscious of that. I don't believe with 75 million devices already out there that the potential sales of the iPad are enough to, to, to cause this sort of behavior. I think it's the, it's the viewpoint of their 75 million existing customers they're probably more interested in rather than the potential customers from the ipad
2: um, no, I I disagree with that, but we'll let it. Well, I'll let it go. Who,
0: we'll, we'll never will never know exactly what the answer to that is. But but I, in my view, they decided that they had a problem and they decided they were going to clean it up. And I think they decided they were going to clean it up in a decisive fashion. I believe. Oh, it was decisive. Yeah, I believe their action sends a very strong message to the developers of these applications that the landscape has changed and they can't just assume. If they'd have taken your kind of approach of um, putting them in a in an explicit category and moving them there all of a sudden for a start that wouldn't have um, done anything about existing sales. Um, That, that, you know, I I, I wouldn't imagine actually that actually that any of these applications that
2: they've been purchased have been removed from people's iPhones actually. So maybe that's not a a point. No, no, I I don't think any of them have been removed. You know, my, my issue, my issue is that, they basically removed them without an explanation they they gave but i, I don 't really think they have no to expl- give an
0: explanation i don 't think they have to this is this is their this is their playground this this is their uh, space i don 't think they have a, they have to give an uh, an explanation
2: okay well so, as, now, I'm, know, not a, mean, I'm not a developer i 've never but what, 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 are the they gonna, what
0: are they going to do, Guy? They're going to contact every one of these developers and say, we have a problem with your application. We're thinking about removing it. Um, and then start getting into a dialogue with them? No, I
2: mean, no, no. What, they what wouldn't even, they would, achieve? They wouldn't even have to get into a dialogue with them. They, they could have sent them, you know, because they, they've got all the contact email information for these yeah. guys. They could have sent out a mass what, what, email saying, you know, your application has temporarily been removed for reasons X. Right, but they but, didn't. They, well, did, they didn't well, think even
0: they make did actually. the attempt. I think they, I didn't, they, they did send an email to everybody saying, your application has been removed because we've decided it doesn't confirm with our policy. But they, they did that at the same time they actually removed the applications. I don't understand what...
2: Okay, what I, I, I didn't it, read anything about that. So and,
0: uh, Well, everybody would have got an email. Everybody got an email saying that nobody's applications have suddenly disappeared without any notification. Um, though, I mean, the one. the one complaint i did hear was from the guys who had the um catalog application that was selling that was selling bikinis and their app disappeared and their email had been sent to them and they thought it was spam because they didn't believe it they thought it was a joke so um the email was actually filed in their spam folder because they'd marked it as spam but they had received a notification the notification was concurrent with the application disappearing from the store so, okay, I, did I also, didn't know that. I don't, I don't, what I don't get is is why having a delay, giving people a notification and then pulling the apps anyway, what, what that would have benefited anyone. Because all that would have done is besieged Apple with people saying, well, please don't take my application. Um, you know, What can I do to change it and all this sort of thing. And I, I don't think they wanted to deal with that. I think the risk – the reason they've sent this sort of message is, that look, we're not talking in the main about legitimate stand-up application developers who are trying to make a crust – off, um, off of the, these applications. We're talking about sleazy porn developers who basically want to try and make as much money off the, you know, their particular images whenever as possible. And I think Apple wanted to send a very strong message to these people to say, there is not going to be any negotiation. There is not going to be any opportunity for you to try and adjust your application to reconform with whatever our policy is. We just want it gone. Uh, if you'd have given them a window, if you'd have given them notification, if you'd have given them an opening and, and said, well, we're thinking about doing this, you would have had a, a certain percentage of those developers immediately resubmitting the application in a different form to try and get around what they thought the policy was. So all the ones that were, were kind of taken away in the utility carrots category would have been trying to shoehorn some sort of utility on top of the application. And, you know, the secret is you press the button over here and all of a sudden you get to see the boobs. So I I think Apple was saying, you know what, we're not going to have any of that. We're just going to get rid of them, and they're gone. And I think the public relations fallout within the tech community – will be yet another story about, oh, Apple's inconsistent. Apple doesn't run the app store very fairly and everything like that. I think the wider message, when you see it on the BBC website, when you see it on CNN and everything is, uh, to the the man in the street who doesn't really interest in the technology behind this is, you know, Apple had dirty apps in the store and now they've got rid of them. And I think that plays much better to the man in the street than it does within the tech community. And I suspect that was the message Apple were trying to send.
2: That that falls along the line of of you know I mean that that that's really closing the barn door after the horse has gotten out so you know I, well, I guess I guess in in the long run Dave we're going to have to disagree on this because I, I I just don't agree with with the way Apple Apple conducted themselves in this
0: okay all right fair enough I'll just leave with one final thought though sure if, if you if you believe that um, pulling these apps. Improving an app like this and then pulling it summarily is effectively an admission by Apple of a mistake in their policy. Would you would you kind of agree with that thought? Oh, yes. That's not like saying so. they've made a mistake.
2: Yeah, they, or, should, they should not have approved the okay. app in the first so, place. So if,
0: they, if you're denying them the right to make that sort of mistake, it, how does it work the other way? If they block an application and say, no, it's not good enough, and then after reconsideration decide to let it in, as they've done on several several cases – you know that that kind of the, the opportunity to correct a mistake works two ways doesn't it
2: well i don't have a problem with them them saying no to an application and and you know I, I don't actually have that much of a problem if they don't give much of an explanation as to why they they didn't approve an application. My problem has been that you know these applications of you know granted extremely questionable taste and copyright violations and, and possibly security violations were approved and then summarily pulled. That, that's my problem. I think the They message- should never have been allowed in the first place. Well, that, If this was the path that they were going to go down.
0: Well, well I don't think when they approved them, it, it was a the path they thought they were going to go down. But I, I think they have now sent a message to the developer community, which is if they suddenly decide that an application isn't in their interest, then they can pull it. And I, I think now everybody knows that. I, I, I think unfortunately, being an Apple developer is is a bit of a there's a bit of a risk and reward thing. You take a risk that your application gets through and stays there and doesn't get pulled.
2: Well, um, let, let, the let's, reward let's is
0: actually massive sales. So 75 million units. So
2: let, let's differentiate between being an Apple developer and being an a, a Apple mobile device developer, because you can make a, you can make a, an application for the Mac. You know, no matter what Apple says, you know, Apple yeah. can't stop you and from creating an application for the Macintosh no, and, and market it yeah. any way and you wish.
0: Apple can't stop you going off and taking your application you've created for the iPhone with your jiggly boobs or whatever uh, and porting it to the Android and to WebOS and to Windows Mobile 6.5 and 7. And you know what? I bet they're hoping very much that that's exactly where all these people
2: go. <laughs> I bet they are. <laughs> and, uh,
0: and I suspect that is also um, part of the calculation in this process. And um, that will be interesting. So Apple will become known as the the clean part of the mobile web, and uh, Android will be where all the jiggly boos go. <laughs>
2: Jiggly Androids And
0: I think that's a good point to end the conversation yep. There's, there's um, a name
2: for the show, Jiggly Androids
0: <laughs> Jiggly Androids, okay So we're now going to cut over to an interview With, um, with Gary Malpass That I recorded uh, last week uh, Gary's been one of our listener invites He's been on before and uh, I had a very interesting Conversation with him, but before we hear From Gary we're going to um, take a minute To have an have a, uh, ad from our uh, Sponsor Otherworld Computing mm, so the sense. Over to you Tim And we'll speak to you all next week
1: Hey, hey, everyone, it's Tim Robertson for OWC Radio, the official podcast for MacSales.com. Otherworld Computing, of course. Hey, have you checked out OWC Radio yet? I hope so. It's uh, kind of a continuation of what I was doing here on the MyMac.com podcast, except I don't have a co-host, co-hostless. Is that a word? I just made it up, so I'm going to say it's a word. So I like the name of this episode, Jiggly Androids. David, where do you come up with it? That's what I want to know. So I've had a good time listening to what Guy and David have been saying so far. I got to say, though, I kind of agree with what David's been saying uh, regarding Apple and their new iTunes policy for the jiggly stuff. I'm kind of with David. What do you guys think? I'm sure that... David and Guy would love to hear feedback from you guys. It's feedback at com. Talking, talking about feedback, I'd love to get feedback from you guys as well about OWC Radio. I hope you guys check out the site. And if you do, right at the very top of the site, it says, go to OWC's main website. If you click that, you'll be at MacSales.com. Are you looking to upgrade your memory in your Macintosh? Great time to do it. Look. We all figure new Macs are just around the corner, but if you're anything like me, you're not going to get a new Mac. Not yet. Anyways, I'm still hoping to get maybe another year or two out of my iMac. So now is a good time to increase the memory in your Macintosh and get some more years out of it. Because honestly, you put more memory in there. It feels like a brand new machine. And let's be honest, it's going to cost a whole lot less to update your memory than it is to buy a brand new Macintosh. One of the other things that we got going on right now, we did this whole video series about putting a Mac Mini into your home theater system. Now, they did this independently of uh, any input from me. Probably a smart decision on their part. So I watched this video, and I also posted it up at OWC TV. (gasps) That's right, OWC TV, brand new channel in iTunes. Make sure you check it out. Just do a search for OWC TV. In iTunes, you'll find OWC Radio, OWC TV, and OWC TV Installation Series. But anyways, I put this video up of installing a Mac Mini in your media center. It works great. I got so excited after watching this, I ordered a Mac Mini. Now, I had an old one, a G4 Mac Mini. Eh, it's not going to cut it. So I got a brand new I don't know it's like 2 point something gigahertz, whatever, Mac Mini on the way. Should be here next week. In fact, by the time the guys record the next MyMac.com podcast, I'll have it. And I'll be talking about it over on OWC Radio. So you're going to have to check that out to find my continuing adventures. But one of the things I'm definitely going to do is put more memory in it. And, of course, where am I going to get that memory? You know. You know where I'm getting it. MacSales.com. You know, as I record this, I'm going to click Mac Mini in the memory section. And oh, I didn't click it, see. And I can get, this is a brand new model too. I can put four gigs of RAM in this thing. Heck, I can even go up to I don't need eight. I can get four gigs of RAM in here for 112 bucks. Well, one hundred and twelve ninety nine plus shipping and handling. Get that over to me. I'm watching great movies on my 46-inch LCD TV via the Mac Mini. It's awesome. So make sure you check us out, www.macsales.com. And now, the listener invite with David Cohen.
0: Hello, everybody. I'm I'm joined here by uh, one of our listener invites, and I'm very excited to have a a repeat listener invite come back on the show. And this is Gary. Gary, is your surname Malpaz or or Mal? How, How do you pronounce that?
3: Um, I, I normally call myself Gazmaz, but I'm, if you want my if you if you want my uh, my real name, as it were, it's Gary
0: Malpass. Malpass, yeah, that's uh, how I pronounce it, uh, rightly or wrongly. And and we're giving we're giving the Skype pixies who carry the uh, the bits back and forth between all our computers a little bit of an easier ride like, tonight because Gary's in the same country as me, uh, and we're in the same yeah. time zone, which is always. Uh, it's always cool, and and a bit of a culture shock after last week when I was uh, halfway around the world and getting up when everyone out here was going to bed. Um, so Gary is, is uh, as you can probably hear from his accent is also English and and lives in in the um, kind of the it's, it's something like the South Midlands really, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I suppose it is, really. Um, yeah. I, it,
0: <laughs> sometimes
3: we like to put ourselves in the, the East Anglia region, to be honest right. with you, but yeah, okay. yeah South Midlands.
0: Yeah, um, so certainly much further south of the country than I do, because I'm in the uh, in the more uh, the more exposed northern reaches. Um, yep. Though, in fact, you've got worse weather than me at the moment, because you've got snow on the ground and I haven't. Correct. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> that's, yes.
0: That's just the way it goes. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Gary. I mean, um, you are... Um, you, where, where i first came across you was um was uh, you, you on twitter but but i very quickly found out that you actually participate in a, in a podcast so well, to, yeah to that's, that's right well uh,
3: just a little bit about myself a fairly ordinary guy i work for a, a fairly large american company um over here and uh, obviously that's a nine to five job <laughs> as if any job is nine to five these days but uh, let's call it a normal nine to five um and outside of um that realm i do a quite a bit of rugby refereeing mm-hmm. uh, but i've always been interested in computing and computers and before becoming a uh, <laughs> a mac aficionado <laughs> yeah he, s- he says jokingly um and started drinking the kool-aid which i think i do drink far too much of these days um yeah. i was obviously messing about with uh, windows machines mm-hmm. um and i didn't really get involved with um the mac world although i'd always um i'd always wished i'd bought one of those cubes now i know that um looking back and a lot of people are a little bit derisory about the cube but it was always um whenever i saw it advertised i always lusted after one of those yes yeah. but never got yeah. around to going because obviously it was it was a mac it mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't a windows machine yeah um so and using the computer i used to take it apart and because i was just interested in doing that sort of stuff you know so getting inside the guts of the machine um and fiddling about with video cards changing processors obviously changing ram yeah uh, messing about with um all sorts of stuff on the motherboard um and really, kind of just doing administration on the mm-hmm. computer, so that yeah. my wife and my kids could play the games and you know yeah. use office et so you could, et cetera, et cetera. kind of kind of the resident geek in the family yeah, yeah, but I, I i was kind of doing all of that stuff, you know i was doing I was kind of the home i t yeah. administrator yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, and one of the reasons I didn't go over to you know, using the Mac was because I felt that I couldn't do that sort of thing on the Mac. You know, it's like you you had your iMac, that was it. You Mm -hmm. could perhaps change a bit of RAM, and if you were really geeky, you'd go in and and change the the hard drive with lots of screws and little fiddly bits. Anyway, you know, I thought that's not for me. Yeah. Until I suddenly heard lots of people talking about the Mac Mini and Mm -hmm. going in and changing the hard drive and updating the RAM. not You know, perhaps not doing too much more than that, but yeah, you know, that was enough. I enjoyed that sort of fiddling, so I, I thought, well, I'd get one. Yeah. And, and that was about October, September, October, two thousand and seven. And it's well, it's changed my computing experience. It's,
0: it's very interesting you say that because I I also was a, a Mac Mini user. Uh, that was my first Mac, um, and uh, well, my first kind of real Mac. Anyway, uh, I kind of sort of dipped my toe in before that, but that was the first Mac I went out and bought, kind of new. Um, and, and I know plenty of people who have the same sort of story. And, and it, nowadays, it's, it's a machine that kind of gets um, derided a little bit, or uh, uh, and it's almost like the forgotten machine in Apple's lineup. But uh, I, it really was kind of a, you know, an entry level into an awful, for an awful lot of people who hadn't used Macs before.
3: I agree with you, and I, I think I agree with you that what you said there. Which it's the forgotten map, because yeah. I've actually got two in the house now. Uh-huh. Um, I, I we're not power users. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually run a Mac Mini as our main machine, yeah. um, but I've also got a Mac Mini which I use as an iTunes server to feed the Apple TV, and um, I also feed from that all of our iTunes uh, music, which yeah. is not stored on the main Mac Mini. Mm-hmm. We, you know, We feed to that through the uh, time capsule. But, of course, you can't run iTunes off the time capsule. No. Um, and the, I, the the Apple TV obviously really needs to be able to run from um, from iTunes. Now, running that off the main mini which um obviously everybody uses because i've got one mini but we've got four accounts on there for the girls right. t- and my wife myself yeah. um we've got a dog but he hasn't got an account yet <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um but obviously it, it it you'd never have the right account open if somebody wanted to watch something off the apple tv now right, I, I could have just bought an um a mac mini and obviously used that as you know the media Mm-hmm. center um but i got this um mac mini and it basically just sits there running itunes and updating itself and I d- i've just got into a workflow with uh, with doing that actually and yeah. you know um i'm running the itunes from that it it's time to come come on at certain points of the day and go off and uh, it just sits there it's obviously a low power unit so
0: yeah
3: uh, yeah it's pretty efficient little 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 way although a little bit geeky i suppose
0: yeah absolutely so how did you move from from getting into Mac Minis and, and playing with those through, to getting onto a podcast? It's a bit of a leap. Um, yeah, leap of faith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: th- actually, I got into podcasting pretty much in, in a very similar way to, I think, some of the uh, contributors on the MyMac podcast. Right. I was listening to... I came across um, the Full Mac Eyes Only podcast, um, and i quite enjoyed mike's um delivery and you know the way he um was very considered in his views and he's got a very relaxing tone yeah. so it was a podcast that i listened to mm-hmm. and i forget which episode now it might have been his hundredth it could well have been his hundredth episode he had some giveaways some uh, software giveaways yeah and i thought well i'll put in yeah. I'm driving to work um, mm-hmm. listening to the podcast one day he pulled out my name it was actually his daughter who was doing the draw and she pulled out this name and it happened to be mine so obviously i had to contact him and and get involved and you know to be able to get the software which was an application um called disco
0: okay yeah i remember that i remember disco yeah um and
3: um i had a problem with the uh with the license Mm -hmm. which i emailed him and he said well here's my um iChat account he did you obviously first question was do you use iChat which i i I tend to Mm -hmm. um and i contacted him over iChat to get these problems solved which we duly did yeah and we got chatting and Mm -hmm. i I, somehow we got chatting over the audio um you know doing an audio chat over uh iChat and we just got on you know we just chatted with each other and got on and um I don't know how it came about. I've got a feeling, now, 2007, the, um, the Macworld that year, was that, I think it was when the um, MacBook Air was released. Right, yes, okay. So it yes, would have okay. been, so yeah. been January 2008
0: yeah that's right in fact that was the, the last before the show i've just been to that was the last one i was at that, that
3: right so that was it was january 2008 when the macbook air was released and he said to me would you like to come on and we'll do a you know a rolling discussion or something you know okay, we just cool. and we've kind of done that ever since you know we we do yeah. a live podcast where we just he records basically our discussion of what we're seeing over the interwebs which yeah. is it's quite fun
0: actually so so um, you and you also do kind of like a recorded segment that go, kind of got well, slots in the show as well yeah that led on that led on to me saying well you know i you know i could perhaps do
3: something because one of the things i had used to listen to was don McAllister used to do a european um podcast i can't I remember the life of me the name of uh, what he called it and then he stopped because obviously don's a busy man yeah and to be perfectly honest with you i i tend to understand why you stop doing it and i'll get on to that in a little while mm. but i said to my yeah i'll do something i can't really do you know i'm relatively new in the world of, of apple and mac but i'll do something from you know let's call it something and we came up with a name news and views from across the pond so, so, so it's a european perspective on the mac community yes yeah. yes uh-huh. so try and, mainly uk based but i do yeah. try and pick up you know, as much information as I can from the continent, which is uh, only really having one language makes it a little bit difficult at times, but Google Translate is my friend. Right, fair enough.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a, and it's it's kind of carried on from there, and I haven't missed, to be perfectly honest with you, I haven't missed many weeks since um, since starting up
0: and, and doing that little segment for him every week. So which do you prefer? Because obviously it's it's... It's easier to do what we're doing now and have a conversation and just kind of geek out and talk and record that at the same time. It's very easy and and you've got two or maybe even three or four minds thinking of questions and responses and that sort of thing. Whereas uh, I I used to do a a recorded segment for for, uh, the Mac show. It it was called Fenestration. It was about using Windows in the Mac world. Right. Um, And... Some weeks, you know, it was really hard to sit down the microphone and actually record something, even if it was only five, ten minutes, just because you were really struggling to get the enthusiasm to your topic and and really kind of get into the groove. So, do you do you prefer doing those segments, um, or do you? I hate starting them because I do
3: actually. um, What I tend to do is I I kind of put down a bit of a script for myself and 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 rattle it off because it's it's something which I love talking to people and I'll sit and you know in the bar have a chat with anybody great i mean when when i've been away on business trips i'll sit at the bar and if someone comes in nod my head say hello get chatting and exactly what you just said when there's a few of you on on channel it's easy and you can chat away and you know the the one thing that i have to remember is to sometimes shut up um so but when i'm doing my segment i like to have everything down in front of me i like to know that's fair enough because yes. um, it's a pretty concise segment; it's mm-hmm. not normally longer than ten minutes, and it's normally between about six and eight minutes or right, so. Right, Although, yeah. you know, Mike doesn't mind me going over. To be perfectly honest yeah. with you, mm-hmm. um, so obviously I try and um, formulate that. So I've got some RSS feeds, um, yeah. which I know. I used to have a load of favourites,
0: mm-hmm. which
3: I used to go out and obviously f- uh, have a look at those um, those websites, and I used to collate the uh, the links. Um, and then obviously go through those links of uh, links of pieces which I think might be of interest, right. i.e. the views bit, yeah. um, and obviously news from a European perspective.
0: Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but now obviously the wonderful uh, world of RSS feeds. And again, I knew about RSS feeds when I was a Windows person, but I never yeah. really used them. But I came over to the Mac, and the applications, especially NetNewsWire, was you know a godsend. Although there it is.
0: Yeah, there is something about the platform that kind of uh, encourages you to try different things and use different yeah, things in absolutely. a way that that many Windows users don't do. I'm, I'm, I've never really been able to put my finger on what it is, but I think it's something that, something to do with the fact that um, it's very uh, it's very easy to install new applications. It's friendly, and, isn't it? It's friendly. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's not it's not the great big thing that it sometimes can be on Windows. You know. of programs you install on the Windows machine require you to reboot the thing before you can use them. (laughs) Um, Whereas most of the time with a Mac application, you just kind of drag it to the applications folder and and, and off you go. There is something to the fact that that process is, is, in my mind, is a lot easier. But Uh, I'll be honest with you, David. I'll be really honest with you here.
3: When I first started on a Mac, I had an application, I downloaded it, and I sat there looking at this DMG file thinking, okay... Where's the installer? It, ju- it just it just works. So yeah. w- what do I do next? That's right, and that yeah. was it. and because there's there's you know there's just a couple of installers. I mean they're pretty efficient now. Yeah. But when I you know a couple of years ago I'd get a DMG file and I'd I'd be sat there looking at it thinking, well I thought they said this just works. It's That's easy, right, you know. And it's not until you obviously then do a little bit more searching clicking yeah. opening up and thinking ah drag to here drag That's right, right yeah. Yeah. but i agree with you once you've got over that little hurdle and it is a small hurdle um and and these days most of them auto open and they're pretty damn obvious now
0: yeah the, the, the window almost tells you pretty much what you need yeah. to do most yeah i of think time, yeah. i think the
3: coders have got it sorted you know that yeah. uh, they need to open up a, a finder window and you know drag it here yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, yeah it's pretty easy so you, you've already established your credentials as as you know somebody who likes to get into the guts of the hardware so audio is obviously the one of the original would well, that and photography is one of the original uh, areas even before computers came along where people could get into the the mechanics of the hardware and connecting things up are you kind of one of those sort of guys with your audio for the show or do you literally just bang on a headset and, and bring up garage <laughs> band and off you go <laughs> Pretty much, yes. Yeah. I mean,
3: it's funny that you should mention photography because I used to be a big SLR uh, yeah. guy. I'd, I'd take loads and loads of... I've got so many negatives that I've really got to sort out and, and get uh, loaded digitally because... um they're just sitting in a, a folder somewhere. Although, in, in having said that, actually, a lot of the pictures that I used to take, we'd get developed, we'd cut out, and they're in scrapbooks. And my two young girls love getting the scrapbooks down and That's just flipping right, yeah. through them. But I'd still love to get them digitally, you know, changed over. Now,
0: as, as an aside, actually, I mean, one of the. I I think that that kind of processing thing has not been helped by digital because it's too easy to have them just sat on the computer and you think when I get some spare time I'll go through the holiday photos and sort out the bad ones and often often they're sat on your hard drive nobody ever gets to see them well And when I went digital, which
3: was in the Windows days, I would do exactly that. But again, the Mac being relatively easy to use, and I've tried Aperture, and I'm trying Lightroom 3 at the moment, Mm. Um, but I just love the simplicity of iPhoto. Yeah, You know, and I put them in there and I do exactly what I used to do, except I don't put them in a scrapbook, but I put them in, you know, into some sort of order within iPhoto. Obviously, I've got my processes that I follow um, and cut, delete, sort yeah. out, kill the red eye if I've got any, you know, make some changes. And yeah, I, I just I just love iPhoto and, you yeah. know, for for um, showing pictures. Obviously, I then sync them to the Apple TV friends come around and That's they're right, there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, easy,
3: easy. Yeah. But when that it comes to audio, yeah. I'm a little bit less geeky. I, um, I got a relatively cheap headset when I first started doing, uh, the Femakai's, um, podcast. And that is actually a Plantronics foldaway headset, which is absolutely a terrific little, uh, unit. It fits in a box, which is about inch and a half by two inches by about four or five inches long. And it's, um, it's a, it's a terrific little headset. And But it, was, it wasn't it was brilliant sound, and I thought, well, I must get something a little bit better. And I kept hearing uh, Leo Laporte go on about these um, DSP500s or 750s or something, which he right. used to send out to people that he regularly spoke, and, you know, yeah. spoke to. So I, I did a bit of searching, and I got this uh, Plantronics headset, uh, which is the one I'm actually using at the moment. Mm-hmm um and that is it it's kind of one that i use when i'm doing podcasts like this when i'm talking to people because yeah. i don't like to have um i've i use a road podcaster i actually bought that from uh, somebody else off twitter uh, right rob rob he's gonna kill me now so i can't remember his surname <laughs> um anyway i i bought that from him and um i use that when i'm doing just the for mac eyes uh for mac eyes only. Uh, yeah. Segment, or because I occasionally appear on uh, the Matt Review cast for uh, doing a few uh, app reviews uh, i 'll use that when i 'm doing those, but if i 'm chatting to people i I tend to use the plantronics headset
0: yeah okay uh, yeah i 'll have to um, stick a link in the show notes to the road podcaster because it is a it 's a fairly neat solution yes um, and, and it, interesting talking to a couple of people last week about podcasting you know there's, there is kind of a an appetite about about how to do it, and um, you know, some one of these one of these things that can where it's kind of plug and play, and and it has everything you need, and yet it still sounds a little bit better than than a headset is uh, is kind of very much in my view the way to go. So the road is a USB mic, yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, yes, it okay. is. And
3: I, I mean, that's one thing that when I was going, uh, going to get it, I thought, oh, sure. Do I need to go through, uh, you know, a mixer and get a, a firewire or an XLR mic and put it through there? And to be honest with you, I was on the verge of doing, doing that and going down that avenue because, um, one of my daughter plays the cornet and the other one does quite a lot of singing. And I wonder whether I really ought to go down that route to get mics that they could also use. Yeah. But they tend to use the road podcaster and it, you know, it, it does the job. Yeah. Um, it certainly does the job. The only problem is it's a USB connection, which this headset is. Hmm. And that, that's normally okay, but I, I have had
0: sometimes occasional um, humming issues through some of the USB ports. I think, to be honest with you, that's actually a, it's a problem which, whichever way you're going, whether you're doing USB or a mixer. Um, you know, if you get a ground hum through it coming through the system, it can be very difficult to, 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 to eliminate locate it. And eliminate. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it can happen whether you're using USB or or a conventional kind of XLR and uh, three and a half mil jack connections and everything. I've I've had that on, um, on both sites of equipment in the past. And it's when it happens, it's a pain. Yes. absolutely. (laughs) in fact, in fact, a few, a few months ago, we were going to do a show and, um, Tim had just moved his setup round and he, he was having this dreadful, dreadful humming problem. And he spent probably about an hour trying to figure it out. And eventually found out it was one splitter cable that that was in his, his route was bad. Um, had developed some problems and and uh, you know this thing was only about uh, five inches long <laughs> cost a couple of dollars but it was kind of destroying the entire sound yes. of his setup you know it's
3: incredible isn't it yeah, you know yeah. and th- the pain having to go through and find that of course would would have been um, um, an experience in itself i should think
0: absolutely so um yeah usb can definitely be a be a help but once you start plugging multiple things in then you can you can you can have some issues yes absolutely yeah. so yeah. that's that's the only thing and occasionally i try and just
3: take everything out and just record with um with the the unit on itself but you know just the one device being plugged in but I, it, that's not really me you know from yeah. so from an audio perspective i really am not as geeky as perhaps i could be
0: let's yeah. put it that way well, you've got you've got to, you've got to draw a geek line somewhere, unfortunately, <laughs> haven't you?
3: Absolutely, we, we
0: all had infinite Absolutely. time and infinite, mon- infinite money. We could get into all sorts of things. Oh yeah, yeah. So, are you yes. the type of person who just records it and then after it's recorded, it's done? And unless you've you know sworn in the microphone as you've done it or something like that, you send it off to Mike to, <laughs> to incorporate it? Oh, I. Oh, or do oh, you? Or do you like oh, to oh craft? <laughs> oh, I wish.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, once I've got obviously all my RSS feeds and I've. I've, I've pretty much sussed out which ones I'm going to be talking about or yeah. what items I'm going to be talking about I'll, I'll put something together so I've got something to record um, and then obviously I'll, I'll rattle off from uh, that script and those highlights um, and yes it's very often stop start mm. and that is one thing which I've, I've what I've found I do um, I've got to the point where if I make a mistake I used to stop Yeah. Edit it out. This was when I first started. Stop. Edit it out and then start again from that that section. Well, I soon learned that that is... far and away the most complicated and convoluted way of recording yeah. um so, so
0: five five minute second segment and <laughs> it becomes a two and a half hour opus at that
3: point <laughs> doesn't it and it was taking some time yeah. um, so what i do now is obviously if i if i make a, uh, a mistake or i don't like a, a section i know i'm gonna have to do it again i tend to just make a loud popping noise yeah. Which obviously highlights the, the the end of the section where I'm not happy. Mm. Obviously, it doesn't highlight the start of the section where you know I've got to you know, delete from. But at least it gives me a point at which I know that I've made a mistake yeah. or I'm not happy with. So I'll generally make a loud popping noise and then just carry on. Yeah. Um, and repeat the, the piece or you know, change the piece whatever I you know, need to do may have a long pause in there and then carry on and then do the rest of the segment and I continue all the way through that once I've got that, that done and recorded I'll generally make sure I do a save
0: yeah
3: because i've i have had the issue where i've gone through almost to the end of editing and it's crashed on me because i yeah probably absolutely. stupidly tried to do something else at the same
0: time the, the i mean this uh, actually i stopped recording directs into garage for exactly that reason uh, now they, i mean this is this is streaming through um obviously through the skype application that's going to audio hijack pro that's just capturing the raw audio um i found that's that's much lighter weight on the computer than than running GarageBand, which can sometimes you know have this a bit of a tizzy uh, <laughs> and it's annoying when you lose quite a lot of work because it's decided to stop recording
3: yeah absolutely well i i've i've, I've still yet to not do that i, mm-hmm. I have tried to use um uh, no, is it yeah White, White Studio, Studio, yeah White which Studio, which very similar
0: to Audio Hijack.
3: Absolutely, I kind of go and record into there, and then dump it into um, into GarageBand for editing because I quite I quite like the wire, the GarageBand interface. Yeah, um, but I've, I've I've kind of stopped doing that again and gone back to recording straight into GarageBand. Yeah, um, and I think it it just suits my the, the way I I do it. So. Yeah. Um, but i it, the one good thing about Ytap Studio is that you can change that original recording, yeah, uh, which I found quite useful, so mm-hmm. you know there are there are definite pros to recording into Weap um, uh, studio, and then yeah. obviously exporting that that finished or not or well not com- the completely finished um, recording, but at least your source recording that's right, it. yeah mm-hmm. but I do okay. like the interface that um, uh, that uh, GarageBand gives me, and I've got yeah. used to using it.
0: I've yeah, got used. To using it, it is. It is an amazing piece of software, and um, I think if you don't do, obviously you, you have to be kind of doing a lot of audio audio recording to get the most out of it, or alternatively you have to be one of these. I'm not one of these guys who's like a whiz with the loops and can build music out of the loops. I've seen that done. <laughs> um, sometimes yeah. you go down to the London Apple Store; they'll do a uh, a seminar where they kind of do that, and it's amazing. But it's it's it requires some level of musical talent that i think Absolutely. is beyond well,
3: me I, I think i struggle with musical talent but actually i have tried that you know i, I, yeah. I use the I, I did a piece with they've got oh what do they call it now the magic
0: um, yeah when, the magic Gara- is it, i think it's the magic, garage. It, it's, the magic, garage. magic garage band yeah, yeah.
3: which yes. kind of <laughs> and i did i did a bit on that and then had a look at the finished item and then started messing about with that mm. and i've come up with a i come up with a little piece which i think i've stuck and my, um, my website somewhere it's it 's somewhere there in the archives, um, yeah. and I quite like it and i keep thinking i 'm going to take segments out of that and use it as like an intro music because i 've yeah. used a, a piece of um, intro which is just coming from garage band uh, itself uh, a loop and, and it I- isn't,
0: yeah isn 't that funny when you do that, and then yeah, normally what happens to me is about six seven months later <laughs> you listen to somebody else 's show <laughs> and you hear your piece of music and you, th- and you immediately think that 's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
3: So far, I've not really come across that, but I have come across it from other podcasts that I've been involved with and listened to, and heard it on other people's podcasts. And I thought, you've stolen that. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I was there first. Yeah, it is odd. That is most odd. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, if I hear uh, my piece of music on um, anybody else's, I'd be most upfronted. That's why I thought I should use this That's piece right, of music, yeah. music that I have produced because it's it's terrific. Just sticking the tracks in there and adjusting them and putting them in. I love playing with that. So
0: it it is as I say, it is incredible because the kind of power you have there on your on your even an old Mac will run older yeah. versions of GarageBand really really well, and that was the sort of thing that. just even five years ago you'd be spending thousands of thousands of pounds on pro tools or something like that and and a dedicated audio workstation to do that in a music studio and the fact that we can all kind of bum around with it on our desktop nowadays is, is quite amazing
3: well certainly my daughter does i mean she's yeah you know, she's in GarageBand, band and they've got a few macs uh, they're, they're kind of a, a musical uh, academy they put themselves oh, so right. cool. a Very musical academy and they they use macs uh, generally you know for the music side they still don't tend to use them so much oh. on the uh, word and office side but yeah. they you know they've still got lots of pcs there but uh, uh, yeah they they have Macs in the school at least
0: cool, very good well, was always, always glad to see glad to see the uh, the uh, the word being spread particularly at a young age absolutely. Yeah. absolutely so okay, so one final question before we wrap up um what's what's your favorite thing you're doing on your mac right now you know Do, is, do you have a particular game or an application or something on your on your iPhone your iPod touch that kind of is is Probably is tipped over from just being something you think, "Wow, that's cool," and something you're actually coming back to over over and over again.
3: I tell you what, I've just been uh, do- doing and just just actually finished it, um, yeah. be- and I was playing it and playing it and playing it until I got it finished. Whereas um, when it first, got, I bought it in a, a bundle, yeah and uh, this particular, it's a game. Yeah. Uh, this this game um, called World of Goo.
0: Yes, I'm sure. Most I'm a lover people, of the goo you know, myself, yeah. absolutely.
3: Um, and I, I, when it first came out, I played it for a bit, and the girls tended to play. Yeah. Uh, and I think we all got stuck at a, a similar sort of level, and then I just kind of moved on. Was too busy, life in general, etc., etc., etc. And I don't know why, but I suddenly came across the game again and started playing it. And that was taking over my life. I've got to say, it was yeah. taking over my life. And I've got to about 23 metres, I think.
0: <laughs> wow, very good, yeah. So for, for anybody who's not played World of Goo before, the idea is that the, um, it's, it's this real world that's full of these little balls of goo, and you have to get them to a point high up on the screen normally to actually siphon them off and, yeah. and put them into a kind of a, a gunge tank uh, and you have a, a target for how many of these goo balls you actually rescue from each level and you, they can, you can pull them out and kind of construct very wobbly um, structures using these balls of goo. And the, and the idea... It. So it's kind of like one of these physics simulator-type type games. It's incredibly addictive and a lot of fun. And the way it's presented, the music's very cool. And well, do you, um, have, you, have you gone back through any of the levels
3: to try to, to hit the OCD levels?
0: Uh, no. no we, <laughs> I'm not, we, we, in fact, we have multiple copies of the game. We've got it on, the, on Nintendo Wii as well. And um, right. my son right. loves to play it on there. Funnily enough, I don't think they've ever done an iPhone version. I I
3: think you're right. I think, yeah. I, it might be. I tell you what, it's going to be. Let's not go down this. Alley, great, you.
0: great on the iPad, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, <laughs> on the <bigger> screen. Yes, <laughs> you were ahead of me there. <laughs> Perhaps that's why. It probably is. Uh, probably would uh, be a bit too fiddly on the iPhone, but I think. Uh, but because yes, what, there
3: is a, there is a game uh, Enigma, which I find yeah. a little bit fiddly on my iPad. To- I've not got an iPhone, but I've got an iPod Touch, yeah. and I do find that a little bit fiddly on the um, on the I- iPod Touch. But um, I think obviously I've, I've bought it also for the the, the Mac, and yeah. it's. Uh, it's much easier to play so yeah i think that ipad is going to be a uh, game heaven for some people
0: there was certainly uh, pretty much that was the big buzz at the show last week was everybody couldn't wait to get their applications on there so it's sure. just going to be fairly exciting mm-hmm. so um thanks very much for your time gary it was, it was a delight to speak to you where can people go to find more about your podcast and and you and that sort of thing on the web well, as we've been speaking
3: about for Mac Eyes Only, which is the main gig I do, but you can find me at gazmaz.com, where you can find links to my Twitter handle and all the other podcasts that I um, frequent, let's put it that way. So that's
0: that's the sen- centre of the gas universe, is it?
3: <laughs> it pretty much is, Brilliant. yeah.
0: Okay, well, thanks very much for your time, I appreciate it.
1: Cheers, David, bye. And thank you for listening to the MyMac.com podcast. Please send all feedback to podcast at MyMac.com. Be sure to check out our other shows, including Geekiest Show Ever, My Photo Tech Podcast, Your Own Victory Garden, and Sam's Cool Picks. All available in iTunes.